Chapter Two of the Jungle Girl by Gordon Casserly. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Youth calls to youth. But at that moment, a shout made the boar hesitate, and Raymond dashed in on it at racing speed driving his spear so deeply into its side that as he swept on the tough bamboo broke like match wood the stricken beast tottered forward a yard or two then turned and stood undauntedly at bay as a sower rode at it but before his steel could touch its hide it shuddered and sank to the ground dead the dying horse was lifted off the maharajah who with the courage of his race had remained calm in the face of the onrushing death he was assisted to rise but was so severely shaken and bruised that at first he was unable to stand without support leaning on the arm of one of his nobles he held out his hand to raymond when the latter rode up and thanked him gratefully for his timidly act then the exhausted but gallant prince sat down on the sand to recover himself but he assured everyone that he was not hurt and insisting that the sport should go on gave orders for the beat to continue wargrave had chanced to dismount to tighten the girth of mrs norton's horse when a fresh boar broke from cover and was instantly pursued by all the others of the hunt the subaltern ruefully accepted the lady's apologies and hurriedly swung himself up into the saddle again to follow when his companion cried look look mr wargrave there's another come we'll have him all to ourselves and striking her pony with her gold-mounted whip she dashed off at a gallop after a gray old boar that had craftily kept close in cover and crept out quietly after the beaters had passed wargrave filled with excitement struck spurs to his mount and raced after her soon catching up and passing her over the sand pitted with holes and strewn with loose stones as they raced the boar bounded before them with rocking motion and leading them in a long stern chase again and again the beast swerved but at last with a fierce thrill wargrave felt the steel head of the spear strike home in the quarry as he was carried on past it he withdrew the weapon then pulled his panting horse round the boar was checked but the wound only infuriated him and aroused his fighting ardor he dashed at mrs norton but as frank turned the game brute recognized the more dangerous adversary and with a fierce grunt charged savagely at him wargrave plunged his spurs into his horse which sprang forward just clearing the boar's snout 
as the rider leant well out and speared the pig through the heart then with a wild exultant whoop the subaltern swung round in the saddle and saw the animal totter forward and collapse on the sand only a sportsman could realize his feeling of triumph at the fall of his first boar mrs norton was almost as excited as he her sparkling eyes and face flushed a becoming pink making her even prettier in his eyes as she rode up and congratulated him well done mr wargrave she cried trotting up to where he sat on his panting horse over the dead boar you did that splendidly and the first time you've been out pig-sticking too it was just luck replied the subaltern modestly not ill-pleased at her praise what a glorious run he gave us she continued and we had it all to ourselves which made it better i'm always afraid of the mahara's followers for in a run they ride so recklessly and carry their spears so carelessly that it's a wonder they don't kill someone every time will you help me down please i must give martian a rest after that gallop with wargrave's aid she dropped lightly to the ground and he remarked again with admiration the graceful lines and rounded curves of her figure as she walked to the dead boar and touched the tusks what a splendid pair you are lucky she exclaimed the biggest anyone has got yet this season i hope you allow me to offer them to you said wargrave generously although it cost him a pang to surrender the precious trophy you deserve them for you rode so well after the boar and i believe you had gotten if you'd carried a spear no indeed mr wargrave i wouldn't dream of taking them she replied laughing but i appreciate the nobility of your self-denial this is your first pig and i know what that means to a man now we must find a sower to get the coolies to bring the boar in but i wonder where we are where is everyone wargrave looked about him and for the first time realized that they were far out in the desert without a landmark to guide them on every side the sand stretched away to the horizon its flat expanse broken only by clumps of bristling cactus or very rarely the tall stem of a palm tree of the others of the party there was no sign his companion and he seemed to be alone in the world and he began to wonder apprehensively if they were destined to undergo the unpleasant experience of being lost in the desert the sun high overhead afforded no help and wargrave remembered neither the direction of the city nor where lay the ravine in which the beat had taken place 
you don't happen to know where we are i suppose mrs norton he asked his companion i haven't the least idea it looks as if we're lost she replied calmly we had better wait quietly where we are instead of wandering about trying to find our way when we are missed the maraja will probably send somebody to look for us i dare say you're right said wargrave you know more about the desert than i do by jove i'd give anything to come across the camel that raymond tells me brings out drinks and ice my throat is parched aren't you very thirsty terribly so isn't the heat awful she exclaimed trying to fan herself with the few inches of cambric and lace that represented a handkerchief awful the blood seems to be boiling in my head gasped the subaltern i've never felt heat like this anywhere else in india but thank goodness it seems to be clouding over that will make it cooler mrs norton looked around a dun veil was being swiftly drawn up over sun and sky and blotting out the landscape good gracious there's worse trouble coming that's a sandstorm she cried for the first time exhibiting a sign of nervousness good heavens how pleasant are we going to be buried under a mound of sand like the pictures we used to have in our school books of caravans overwhelmed in the sahara mrs norton smiled not quite as bad as that she answered but unpleasant enough i assure you if only we had any shelter wargrave looked around desperately he had hitherto no experience of desert country and the sudden darkness and the grim menace of the approaching black wall of the sandstorm seemed to threaten disaster he saw a thick clump of cactus half a mile away we'd better make for that he said pointing to it it will serve to break the force of the wind if we get to leeward of it let's mount he put her on her horse and then swung himself up into the saddle together they raced for the scant shelter before the dark menace overspreading earth and sky the sun was now hidden but that brought no relief for the heat was even more stifling and oppressive than before the wind seemed like a blast of hot air from an opened furnace door pulling up where they reached the dense thicket of cactus with its broad green leaves studded with cruel thorns wargrave jumped down and lifted mrs norton from the saddle the horses followed them instinctively as they pressed as closely as they could to the shelter of the inhospitable plant the animals turned their tails towards the approaching storm and instinctively huddled against their human companions in distress wargrave took off his jacket 
and spread it around mrs norton's head holding her to him with a shrill wail the dark storm swept down upon them and a million sharp particles of sand beat on them stinging smothering choking them the horses crowded nearer to the man and the woman clung tighter to him as he wrapped her more closely in the protecting cloth he felt suffocated stifled his lungs bursting his throat burning while every breath he drew was laden with the irritating sand it penetrated through all the openings of his clothing down his collar inside his shirt into his boots the heat was terrific unbearable the darkness intense wargrave began to wonder if his first apprehensions were not justified if they could hope to escape alive or were destined to be buried under the stifling pall that enveloped them he felt against him the soft body of the woman clinging desperately to him and the warm contact thrilled him a feeling of pity of tenderness for her awoke in him at the thought that this young and attractive being was fated perhaps to perish by so awful a death and instinctively unconsciously he held her closer to him for minutes that seemed hours the storm continued to shriek and roar over and around them but at length the choking waves began to diminish in density and slowly gradually the deadly smothering pall was lifted from them the black wall passed on and wargrave watched it moving away over the desert the storm had lasted half an hour but the subaltern believed its duration to have been hours the fine grit had penetrated into the case of his wristwatch and stopped it a cool refreshing breeze sprang up pulling his jacket off mrs norton's head wargrave said it's over at last oh thank god she exclaimed fervently standing erect and drawing a deep breath of cool air into her laboring lungs i thought i was going to be smothered it was a decidedly unpleasant experience and one i don't want to try again my throat is parched i must have swallowed tons of sand and look at the state i'm in he was powdered thick with it clothes hair eyebrows gray with it it had caked on his face damp with perspiration thanks to your jacket i've escaped pretty well although i was almost suffocated she said well now that it is over surely someone will come to look for us then we had better get up on our horses and move out into the open will be more visible said wargrave yet he felt a strange reluctance to quit the spot 
for the thought came to him that their unpleasant experience in it would henceforth be a link between them a few hours before he had not known of this woman's existence and now he had held her to his breast and tried to protect her against the forces of nature the same idea seemed born in her mind at the same time for when he had brushed the dust off her saddle and lifted her on to it she turned to look with interest at the spot as they rode away from it they had not long to wait out in the open before they saw three or four riders spread over the desert apparently looking for them so they cantered towards them as soon as they were seen by the search party a sour galloped to meet them and saluting told them that the maharajah and the rest had taken refuge from the storm in a village a couple of miles away then from the kamarband or broadcloth encircling his waist like a sash he produced two bottles of soda water which he opened and gave to them the liquid was warm but nevertheless was acceptable to their parched throats they followed their guide at a gallop and soon were being welcomed by the rest of the party in a small village of low mud huts a couple of kneeling camels bobbling squealing and fiercely trying to bite everything within reach were being unloaded by some of the maharajah's servants other attendants were spreading a white cloth on the ground by a well under a couple of tall palm trees and laying on it an excellent cold lunch for the europeans with bottles of champagne standing in silver pails filled with ice as soon as his anxiety on mrs norton's account was relieved by her arrival his highness who as an orthodox hindu could not eat with his guests begged them to excuse him and being helped with difficulty on his horse rode slowly off still shaken and sorely bruised by his fall his nobles and officials accompanied him after lunch all went to inspect the heap of slain boars laid on the ground in the shade of a hut wargrave's kill had been added to it much to the subaltern's delight its tusk proved to be the longest and finest of all and he was warmly congratulated by the more experienced pig sticklers on his success shortly afterwards the beaters went into the mullah again and a few more runs added another couple of boars to the bag then after ice drinks while their saddles were being changed back on to their own horses the britishers mounted and started on their homeward journey without quite knowing how it happened wargrave found himself riding beside mrs norton behind the rest of the party on the way back they chatted freely and without restraint like old friends 
for the incidents of the day had served to sweep away formality between them and to give them a sense of long acquaintanceship and mutual liking and when the time came for mrs norton to separate from the others as she reached the spot where the road to the residency branched off the subaltern volunteered to accompany her it had not taken them long to discover that they had several tastes in common so you like good music she said after a chance remark of his it is pleasant to find a kindred spirit in this desolate place the ladies and the other officers of your regiment are philistines ragtime is more in their line than grieg or brahms and the other day captain ross asked me if tchaikovsky wasn't the russian dancer at the coliseum in town wargrave laughed i know i became very unpopular when i was band president and made our band play wagner all one night during mess i gave up trying to elevate their musical taste when the colonel told me to order the bandmaster to stop that awful rubbish and play something good like the selection from the last london review are you a musician yourself she asked i play the violin oh how ripping you must come often and practice with me i've an excellent piano but i rarely touch it now my husband takes no interest in music or indeed in anything else i like but then i am not thrilled by his one absorbing passion in life insects so we're quits i suppose their horses were walking silently over the soft sand and wargrave heard her give a little sigh was it possible he wondered that the husband of this charming woman did not appreciate her and her attractions as he ought she went on with a change of manner when are you coming to call on me i am a duty call you know all officers are supposed to leave cards on the palace and the residency the call on you will be a pleasure i assure you not a mere duty mrs norton said the subaltern with a touch of earnestness may i come to-morrow yes please do come early for tea and bring your violin it will be delightful to have some music again i have not opened my piano for months but i'll begin to practice tonight i have one or two pieces with violin obligato so chatting and at every step finding something fresh to like in each other they rode along down sandy lanes hemmed in by prickly aloe hedges by deep wells and creaking water wheels where patient bullocks toiled in the sun to draw up 
the gushing water to irrigate the green fields so reproachful to the eye after the glaring desert they passed by thatched mud huts outside which naked brown babies sprawled in the dust and dear-eyed women turned the hand querns that ground the flour for their household's evening meal stiff and sore though wargrave was after these many hours of his first day in the saddle for so long he thoroughly enjoyed his ride back with so attractive a companion when they reached the residency a fine airy building of white stone standing in large well-kept grounds he felt quite reluctant to part with her but declining her invitation to enter he renewed his promise to call on the following day and rode on to his bungalow when he was alone he realized for the first time the effects of fatigue thirst and the boiling heat of the afternoon sun but mrs norton was more in his thoughts than the exciting events of the day as he trotted painfully on towards his bungalow the house was closely shut and shuttered against the outside heat and raymond was asleep enjoying a welcome siesta after the early start and hard exercise wargrave entered his own bare and comfortless bedroom and with the help of his boy as indian body servants are termed proceeded to undress then attired in a big towel and slippers he passed into the small stone-paved apartment dignified with the title of bathroom which opened off his bedroom after his ablutions wargrave lay down on his bed and slept for an hour or two until awakened by raymond's voice bidding him join him at tea strolling in pajamas and slippers into the sitting-room which they shared the subaltern found his comrade lying lazily in a long chair and attired in the same cool costume the outer doors and windows of the bungalow were still closed against the brooding heat outside inside the house the temperature was a little cooler despite the punkah which droned monotonously overhead over their tea the two young soldiers discussed the day's sport recalling every incident of each run and kill until the servants came in to throw open the doors and windows in hope of a faint breath of evening coolness the punka stopped and the coolie who pulled it shuffled away after tea raymond took his companion to inspect the cantonment which wargrave had not yet seen for he had not reached it until after dusk the previous day it consisted only of the mess the regimental office and about ten bungalows for the officers 
single-storied brick or rubble-walled buildings thatched or tiled some of them were unoccupied and were tumbling in ruins there was nothing else not even the general shop usual in most small cantonments not a spool of thread not a tin of sardines could be purchased within a three days journey most of the food supplies and almost everything else had to be brought from bombay around the bungalow the compounds were simply patches of the universal sands surrounded by mud walls no flowers no trees not even a blade of grass relieved the dull monotony altogether the cantonment of rohar was an unlovely and uninteresting place yet it is but an example of many such stations in india lonely and soul-deadening some of which have not even its saving grace of sport to enliven existence in them after a visit to the lines the rows of single-story detached brick buildings one to a company that housed the native ranks of the regiment where the indian officers and sepoys and as native infantry soldiers are called rushed out to crowd round and welcome back their popular officer wardgrave and raymond strolled to the mess here in the ante-room other british officers of the corps tired out after the day's sport were lying in easy chairs reading the three days old bombay newspaper just arrived and the three weeks old english journals until it was time to return to their bungalows and dress for dinner early on the following afternoon wargrave borrowed raymond's bamboo cart and pony for he had sold his own trap and horses before going on leave to england and had not yet time to buy new ones and drove to the residency when he pulled up before the hall door and in anglo-indian fashion shouted boy from his seat in the vehicle a tall stately indian servant came in a long gold-laced red coat reaching below the knees and embroidered on the breast with the imperial monogram in gold came out and held a small silver tray to him wargrave placed a couple of his visiting cards on it and the gorgeous apparition known as a chuprasi retired into the building with them while he was gone wargrave looked with pleasure at the brilliant flower beds green lawn and tall plants and bushes glowing with color of the carefully tended and well watered residency garden which contrasted strikingly with the dry bare compounds of the cantonment in a minute or two the chuprasi returned and said salam wargrave hooking up the reins climbed down from the trap 
leaving raymond syce in charge of the pony and entered the grateful coolness of the lofty hall here another chaprassi took his hat and holding out a pen for him indicated the red-bound visitor's book in which he was to inscribe his name then one of the servants led the way up the broad staircase into a large and well-furnished drawing-room extending along the whole front of the building here wargrave found mrs norton awaiting him she looked very lovely in a cool white dress of muslin but muslin shaped by a master hand of paris she welcomed him gaily and made him feel at once on the footing of an old friend she was genuinely glad to see him again to this young and attractive woman full of joy of living hardly more than a girl yet married to a much older man sober-minded stolid and uncongenial to her and buried in this dull and lonely station wargrave had appealed instantly youth calls to youth and she hailed his advent into her monotonous life as a child greets the coming of a playfellow with the other two ladies in rohar she had nothing in common both were middle-aged serious and spiteful to them her youth and beauty were an offence and from the first day of their acquaintance with her they had disliked her as for the other officers of the regiment none of them attracted her for good fellows as they were none shared any of her tastes except her love of sport but in wargrave she had already recognized a companion a playmate one to whom music art and poetry appealed as they did to her on his side frank heart whole but fond of the society of the opposite sex was at once attracted by this charming member of it who had tastes akin to his own her beauty pleased his beauty-loving eye and he would not have been man if her readiness to meet him on a footing of friendship had not flattered him he had thought that a great drawback to life in rohar would be the lack of feminine companionship for the ladies of his regiment were not all congenial although he did not dislike them but it was delightful to find in this desert spot this pretty and cultured woman who would have been deemed attractive in london and who appeared trebly so in a dull and lonely indian station he had thought much of her since their meeting on the previous day and although it never occurred to him to lose his heart to her or even attempt to flirt with her yet he felt that her friendship would brighten existence 
for him in rohar nor did the thought strike him that possibly he might come to mean more to mrs nelson than she to him for while he had his work his duties the good fellowship of the mess and the friendship of his comrades to fill his life she had nothing she was utterly without interest occupation or real companionship in rohar her husband and she had nothing in common no child had come during the five years of their marriage to link them together and in this solitary place where there was no gaieties no distractions such as a young woman would naturally long for she was lonely very lonely indeed it was little wonder that she snatched eagerly at the promise of an interesting friendship wardgrave stood out and apart from the other officers of the regiment and his companionship during the uncomfortable incident of the sandstorm bulked unaccountably larged in her mind it seemed to denote that he was destined to introduce a new element into her life as they talked it was with increasing pleasure that she learned they had so many tastes in common she found that he played the violin well and was moreover the possessor of a voice tuneful and sympathetic even if not perfectly trained this made instant appeal to her and would have disposed her to regard him with favor even if she had not been already prepared to like him the afternoon passed all too quickly for both of them violet norton had never enjoyed any hours in rohar so much as these and when as she sat at the piano while frank played an obligato a servant came to inquire if she wished her horse or a carriage got ready for her usual evening ride or drive she impatiently ordered him out of the room when the time came for wardgrave to return to his bungalow to dress for dinner she begged him to stay and dine with her i shall be all alone and it would be a charitable act to take pity on my solitude she said my husband is dining at your mess to-night thank you very much for asking me replied the subaltern i should have loved to accept your invitation but it is our guest night and the colonel likes all of us to be present at mess on such evenings oh i forgot she exclaimed i ought to have remembered for mr raymond told me the same thing only last week when i invited him informally well you must come some other night soon reluctant to part with her new playmate she accompanied him to the door and to the scandal of the stately champrasses stood at it to watch him drive away and to wave him a last good-bye 
as he looked back when the pony turned out of the gate india is a land of lightning friendships between men and women end of chapter two